0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So after finishing the Aserah these words were spoken to HaKadosh Baruch to your entire cow on the mountain, from the fire, right? From the darkness, the fire, the, dark, the cloud, and the darkness. Kol And that's the main line that we're going to try to concentrate on today. A massive voice that never ended. And right there, we're going to have to ask, what does that mean, it never ended? they wrote it down in two lochos of, of stone. Vayit gave it to me, says Moshe Rabbeinu. I ended up taking it, I brought it up, etc. This is right after... In other words, we're talking, Moshe and is telling the people what happened as an aftermath of the Esser Dibros. Or Haim Akadush says, it doesn't say Eskol Hadvarim HaEla. Because some of the words of the Esser Dibros that we just mentioned in Bo'aschanan were not there by the first ones. For example, and some of them wouldn't have been written on the Torah, kasher tzibcha, like you were commanded, vizacharta, and you will remember specifically talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. Those words were not said on the first, as Rosi says, and therefore it was just given by Moshe to help us Meaning the readers understand what had happened. This is the Chiddush of the Orachai Makadosh. Some words were there. Zachor and Shamor, like we'll see later on, were both on the Yasser Zedipros in some way. But uh, on the Luchos. However, there are certain words that weren't there. And therefore it says, Es HaTverim Eila. These words, but not all of them, but Es HaTverim Eila were written on the Luchos of Vadim. And our shir is going to be based on that. What exactly does that mean? So Rashi has two explanations for the word below Yassam that HaKadosh Baruch never stopped speaking. So first, based on Targum, he says, literally, Hashem's voice never stopped. Meaning, a human being does not have the ability to be able to speak to you straight. I Meaning you have to have spaces in between the word. There has to be like a pause. You have to hear something and then later you hear the rest of it. That's what you end up happening. You can't say it in one breath. But a Kaddish who obviously is different. Since it's not a real voice and it's not a real person, it's not a human being, the voice could go all at once and you could hear everything all at once and hear it in your head, even though that's absolutely impossible. The breath never stopped. Hashem kept speaking without stopping. And therefore, nothing was added to these debros later, the Aserah's Debros later or earlier. Everything that was said was said. And it was all in that one breath, so to speak, and the voice constantly, consistently, I should say, being strong and powerful, and it lasted forever. That is a cool concept to think about. Yeah, Dave. Is that like a, when you say a voice... Was there, was there actual sound, or was like an instant download into your brain? So, I, I don't, the way that the Miam says it, in the Midrashim say it, is that the sound came from all over, and yet it it was heard from within their heads. It was a physical sound, and yet, nonetheless, they felt it on the inside. I don't think it could be replicated. Anybody that Hashem didn't want the voice to go to, didn't hear it. You could be standing right there, and if Hashem didn't want you to hear it, you didn't hear it. According to one of the Midrashim, the, the, the. the uh, the Erev were standing right there and didn't hear a word, even though it was unbelievably loud and the people were screaming, almost dying because of the, 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 the voice that was so crazy. Nonetheless, the Erev heard nothing. They got nothing out of it. And therefore, is that somehow in their heads and yet all and over on the outside as well? Nibua. Uh, Nibua, this is a form of Nebuah. First of all, this was a form of nivua so it is no different the difference that you'd have by other nevi'im is that they're getting it through a vision while these people were fully awake, so that they could not deny it later, or say that it was a dream, or say that it was whatever. They were fully awake to see it. That's the idea. Now, the Ramban adds that although by the sound of the shofar, in Shmos, your test it says, Holech ma'od, It got stronger as it went. It started off small, and then it kept getting louder and louder and louder. That's by the chauffeur, right? They would get used to it, etc. It'd have to get louder, etc. But the noise of Hashem's voice was constant. There was no up and down. There was no higher and lower. There was nothing like that. It was one constant voice the entire time, one consistent voice the entire time. And that was that the Ramban adds that lo posak really means that Hashem did not stop speaking until He finished the Aserah Zedibros. Similar... To how the word is used by Veneesha Simcha by Yirmiyah and Tosaf Rucham Yigvaun Test, in, That's in Borki Rucham when their souls ended, but it's not really ended. When everything was over, there was no stoppages in between. There was no intake of breath or anything like that. It was simply one long sentence that seemed to be going on with everything that they needed to know within that breath, within that sentence. Yes. Everyone heard the first two and the last eight were So we aren't. That machlokes, which is Ramban Rambam, and really based on a machlokes in the in the Gemara itself, I would say Midrashim, right? It's a psikhta that goes into it. I'm going to mention that, but I'm not going to go into that. I did give that in a about a year and a half ago. It's a huge, huge machlokes. What they heard, how much of it they heard, and what they got afterward. We're going to go with the basics, which is that a Kaddish Baruch who said all the dibros at once, and then he went through, one by one, Anochi and Loyelachah. And that's when the people said, stop, we can't handle it anymore. And that's when Moshe when he finished off the other eight. That's To me, that's the simplest explanation. But suffice to say, we'll see. It's a massive Machlokas. That's all the Ramban and Rashi. Now, the Torah more explains this as meaning that nothing will be added or subtracted from what Hashem says. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch said at the time, that's it. These words were so important not to be forgotten that they were immediately written down after they were said as if they were engraved on the first luchos immediately afterwards so they had it right there in front of them. As the shach says, it's impossible for us to understand something like this. There's no way that we can understand somebody speaking to you all at once and you comprehending everything they're telling you. But the words shamar and zachor came from God's mouth and entered their ears at the exact same time. Zachor is in Parshas Yisro, Shamor is here in Parshas Vashan. It happened at the exact time they heard them both. And not only that, but they also heard... as. I just, we just said, and Steve mentioned before, all of the Esther broke all at once, even though it took to Moshe Rabbeinu explaining it to them a second time for them to really hear it. But it went into their head all at once itself. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, I didn't subtract, I didn't add from anything Hashem said originally. You heard this the first time, and anything I say afterward is just explaining what was going on. That's all it is. Meaning, everything I had with all its potential meanings and ideas and the concepts, they're all there. Then it says, that's why we mention them being written down in luchos here, even though that really happened 40 days later and not when the Torah was first told to Kala Obviously, the luchos were brought down 40 days later. It doesn't make a difference. Everything was said at that moment and as if written down in the luchos at that moment. The law Omar Omer says there's a bit of Musar as well. Had they been zohar to hear all the dibros from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, had they gotten everything from Hashem and heard everything all at once and then one by one? And they would have said to Hashem, Hashem, you speak to us and not Moshe Benu." the luchos would have had a greater milo. They would have had a level above everything because it would have been a ruchni thing. You wouldn't need 40 days of preparation. It could have even been that if they would have accepted it all at once, then Hashem would have said, you don't have to come up, Moshe Rabbeinu. Here's the luchos. Everything's here in front of you. And it would have been a spiritual luchos that they would have had from that point on that would have always been floating above their heads. They wouldn't have needed anything else in order to achieve it. It would have been right there in front of them as if you could see the etz the finger of God, writing the, the engravings of the luchos for them to be able to have, which is mind-boggling, but that's what they would have gotten had they not complained, had they not said anything, that's what could have happened over here. Now, the barbanel goes into a very lengthy explanation over here of that machlokus, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi and the Chachamim and the Psikta Rabbasi and Shirashir Shirim Rabba, which is then a machlokus between the Ramban and the Rambam in Morinu that Machlokas is, did he tell them all the 613 mitzvos? Did he give them all the Ten Commandments at once? Why those Ten Commandments and not anything else? Were they inclusive or were they exclusive? Were they inclusive that it included all 613 mitzvos or not? Did, more than that, why did they tell Moshe Rabbeinu to stop Karish Baruch and do it himself? Now, the Abar Benel, in his way, and again, I'm using air quotes here because I think that's important disproves the, Ramban, the Rambam and the Ramban. That's what, the way he uses it. He knocks out the shot <clears throat> of the Rambam and the Ramban, which usually should not be done. The Rambam and the Ramban lived 340, 350 years before the Abarbanel lived. Usually you don't see somebody that much later after the Rambam and the Ramban saying, Ramban saying I don't agree with what they're saying and going with a totally different shot. But the Abarbanel knocks them out and then afterward goes into his own explanation of the Mahlokas. Now, that's all there. All I'm going to point out with this, I'm not going to get into that Mahlokas, but the Osnayam Latorah, the Osnayam Latora says, no matter how you look at it, something is strange about Bnei Yisrael asking Moshe Rabbeinu to stop. Now, think about this for a second. You guys all learned this when you were kids, and I'm going to take that to a, hopefully a different level. B'nai Yisrael are standing outside the bottom of the mountain, right? And Moshe Rabbeinu goes up the mountain to receive the luchos, or whatever it means, like went up the mountain, Hashem asked them to go there. Even though there was a border around the mountain, they couldn't get on the mountain, Moshe Rabbeinu was allowed to go up somehow on the mountain during the luchos themselves. Maybe it was right after Hashem finished. And they told Moshe, we don't want Hashem to speak anymore, you go on. When did they say that to Moshe Rabbeinu? Did they say it in the midst of Hashem speaking? Because, again, Hashem was speaking. They were so shocked by it, they died. They were thrown back 12 mil. And then they slowly but surely were brought back. When exactly did they go to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, stop? Were they, like, waving flags in the crowd, stopping Moshe Rabbeinu from from doing anything else? Was Moshe Rabbeinu not concentrating on Hashem? That he's looking out to the people and he's like you guys like this <laughs> is that it and he sees them and they're like no and, and Moshe everybody's like okay i'll stop it like is that what's happening just it's a strange visual isn't it like when exactly did that happen and the Latora says no matter how you look at it whether you look at it with the ramban with the rambam with the way that the abar learns it who represented Claudius yisrael and thought that was a good idea who thought it was a good idea to stop them? Was it all of Bnei Yisrael? How in the world was what was this all going on? Again, with a mountain above their heads and a Kaddish bar who's speaking from the heavens, they're yelling at Moshe Rabbeinu for it to stop? Something sounds wrong here. There must have been a, a stoppage. There must have been something that stopped. But we just said that there was no stop. Hashem was continuously speaking. So did he stop and then speak again? And that's the time after each debor. There was like a pause in between. And it could be. There could be. But as is just going in, it, there's something wrong with our understanding of this Machlokas. There's something going on within it, and we're just, we're not sure how exactly it works. I have an answer. I have an idea behind it. It's not for now, but like a concept. It's just something strange that it seems to be over here. The Miam Loewes says something amazing, and it's based on what we say in our Shmona Esra and this morning. Ushne luchos avanim, he biado. Okay, he brought down the two luchos of Anim. The kassu What's the next words? Kasubahem? shmiras shabbos. Right? There was written on them shmiras shabbos. Hold on a second. When Moshe Rabbeinu first came down the mountain with the first luchos, what did they say? And now the assumption is again, this is an assumption, that the first luchos had written on them the of dibros from Parshis Yisrael. And the second luchos had the Eseres from Parshas of Okay, that's the assumption. That's what it sounds like. There was the first luchos and then the second luchos. The first one was that and the second one was this. The way that I somewhat know this is the Gemara Bavakama. They asked Rabbi Yishuab and Levi, do, is there, you know, where does it say Kitov in the, in the Luchos? And Rabbi and Levy said, you should ask me if I even know if it says Tov in the Luchos. Meaning, does it say Kitov in the first Luchos, but in the second Luchos it did? Rabbi Shurvan Levy was like, I'm not sure if it says it. It's a strange gemara in of itself. Rabbi Shuvan Levy said, I, I'm not sure if it says Kitov by the Luchos, etc. That gemara seems to indicate that, again, if it said Kitov in the second Luchos, but it didn't in the first Luchos, that means Yisro is the first Luchos and Vascanin is the second Luchos. So the strange thing is, is that if Moshe Rabbeinu came down the mountain with the first luchos, it wouldn't have said Shmiras Shabbos, it would have said Zachor, right? Because Zachor was in the first luchos. It sounds like, and this is what the Miam Loay says, and it's Apella, it sounds like both words were on the luchos itself, Zachor and Shamor, and when you looked at it, you know those like... I, I don't even know what to say. It. You know those like little things where you look like that, and it says one thing, and you go like that, and it's another thing? You know what I'm talking about? Or like those billboards where when you get a little closer, it's a different thing? Like they have that made in such a way where it's this way is one picture, and that way is another picture. So when you're looking back here, you see it one way. When you get closer, it's like that. It's almost as if the same word is on the luchos, zakhor and Shamor. And if you looked at it and you wanted to see zakhor, you would read zakhor. If you looked at it and you wanted to read Shamor, you could see Shamor. And they were both there. Meaning the first and second luchos were really on the first luchos. But you have to be looking for it and know what you're looking for and you would be able to see it. But you had to see it. And the craziest thing? The words on the luchos went all the way through. They weren't like just engraved like on the outside like you know, like a little engraving like Svi was here. That's not what it was like. It went all the way through. It was open spaces. And Zohar was all the way through. And Shomer was all the way through. And you could see the other end and you could see it in both ways. That's Awesome! But you could see it that way. There's an etziv here that tries to explain something very similar. Now, I, maybe I can answer, maybe that's what Rabbi Yashua Ben-Levi was saying, what Rabbi Yeshua Ben-Levi was saying. I don't know what the first Lukos said, because maybe the first Lukos did contain all the words. I have no clue. Maybe that's what he's referring to. I don't have a great answer for all this, but nonetheless, it's something to point out, because this is something that's based on over here. Now, the Miam Louis adds, there was no echo, and I want you to think, obviously, they were on a mountain. By mountains and valleys, when you start screaming down, there are going to be echoes automatically. But Hashem's voice, to prove that He is one and there's nobody else, there was no echo. (laughs) The Aznaim LaTorah says, it's a pretty obvious reason why. I want you to think, when you have an echo, if I would say the words, hey, Eitan, out from a, what's going to be the echo? What are you going to hear? What are you going to hear? Are you going to hear, hey, Eitan? I mean, unless you've never heard of an echo before, you just hear etan, the very end, right? You don't hear the whole word. So can you imagine, HaKadosh Baruch who calls out and says, Lo Sirtzach, don't murder. And then the echo comes back and says, Sirtzach. That, that's why there couldn't be an echo. Because if there was an echo, it would be like there's one God saying, Don't murder. And another voice is calling out and saying, do it! <laughs> you have that. And it couldn't happen. Isn't that a brilliant Aznaim Ladora? That's absolutely brilliant. The other one, Lo sin Sinuf! Like, you'd have it one after the other, one after the other. Obviously, it would sound like two rishiyos. So it can't be, there's no echo, because if you heard more than one, you'd have a problem. That's so brilliantly awesome and so obvious, I can't even explain. Like, that, that's by far the most unbelievable explanation. He also says, there couldn't have been echo... Because the whole world, even though the entire world was silent, maybe you've seen, you've seen that medrash before, the whole world said No animals were talking at this time. No people were talking. Babies were silent. The waves were silent. The whole world went dark for a little bit while this all happened. According to the sign of the Torah, everything was quiet. That's a medrash, and that happens, right? When the Ten Commandments were there. And it, re- it should have reverberated all over the world. If the whole world is silent... Then he should have, he should, everybody, the whole world should have heard the voice echoing throughout the entire world. It's almost like a sound, um, I forgot what it's called. When a supersonic plane goes to the earth and it causes a sonic boom, that sonic boom can be heard thousands of miles away. You might not be able to hear, we don't have the hearing to be able to do it, but there are animals who have the ability to hear thousands of miles away a sonic boom that happens. Because that boom keeps going out into the atmosphere. So the voice should have echoed throughout the atmosphere. It should have gone through. But here's why. Because this voice broke down trees. Shover arazim, right? It broke down mountains. How does an echo work? How does an echo work? It bounces off something. But the voice of a Bar who didn't bounce off anything, it broke things down and therefore there's no echo because there was nothing to bounce off of. It was just a voice that just kept going, a voice that kept extending outward, and therefore no echo. Isn't that brilliant? Again, two brilliant pieces of why I wouldn't be over there. The Mian ways doesn't quote this from anyone that I could see, but I think it's based on a Medrash Rabban shmos Shmos test test. says, when a person speaks to his friend, his voice could have an echo, which is called a baskol. Interesting, right? That that's what you're using baskol for. When Hashem speaks, there is no baskol. There's only a kol. That's what the Gemara means over here. And it sounds like that means there's no echo. There's nothing else there. Lubavitch points out the opposite. Only loud voices have echoes. If there's no echo, that would indicate that the voice isn't very loud. A small, very tiny voice, tinny voice wouldn't be able to make a large echo. So, does that mean that Hashem's voice was weak? Obviously not. But what does that mean? Number two, we also know a Qadosh Baruch who doesn't do a miracle for no reason. An echo is natural. Why would Hashem take away an echo for seemingly no reason? Pretty obvious question from Labab Turevah. He answers that an echo comes about when there's something there, again, to be bounced off of. Now, the Aznaim Latora said there was nothing to bounce off because it broke everything. Listen to this from Baba Turevah. He says, the voice of Hashem went throughout the world and was absorbed into the world itself it didn't bounce off because literally the voice went up to a tree and became a part of that tree the voice went into a mountain and became a part of that mountain the voice went into people and it became a part of that person whether they realized it or not animals people houses the whole world he had a cutters whose voice get absorbed within it It became inside, you asked before, Dave, what did the voice sound like, right? And it sounded like all around and within you. Because it's not like a regular voice, which even though you hear it in your ears and our ears are made in such a special way that it can allow voices so it doesn't go straight in, which could kill you, it goes around and around and around and then goes inside the ears so that it bounces off a little bit so it doesn't go. Think about it. When you're speaking to me, usually, right, I'm not turning my ear to you. You're speaking to me like this. My ear catches it, especially mine. I've got, like, Dumbo ears. But, like, it catches it from the outside and then goes around to the inside, so that it doesn't just kill me. When a person yells into another guy's ear, tokea let the us know, if you yell into a guy's ear, you could make the guy go deaf. You could burst his eardrum. That's why our ears are made in such a fashion, so you can't, and even if you would scream into his ear, it's still difficult to scream straight into the hole. Look where the hole is. The hole isn't there. The hole is inside this way. It's brilliantly made. I mean, I don't expect any less from God, but it's brilliantly made for this reason, so that it doesn't go in. So what's the pshat? The voice of Akash Baruch went in and absorbed within them. Yes, it pushed them back because it was so powerful. The Jews were pushed back and may have even died from it because of the awesomeness of the coal itself. But the point of is, it went within them. We have that coal. We're born innately within us. The coal is there. It's from our parents who got it from their parents who got it from the people at Arasinai. And even if you're a ger, even if you're a son of Gerim, you still have it. Because everybody in the world had it. As long as you're a human being. You know what? Maybe even if you're a dolphin. It hit you. It came into you. And if you are a child of a dolphin, you should tell us. Because that's awesome. We should know this. <laughs> is but it, A th- siren? A siren, maybe. maybe. A, you know, you have something. But th- this is something. This is amazing. The idea behind it, this is something amazing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. And that's what we mean. Mm-hmm. Koros adam mi'idin boh. The walls of a person will testify about you at the end of your life. The walls in a person's house are going to testify about you. You know what they're going to testify? They're going to say whether you did good things or bad things. You know what it means? It means because every bit of Torah that I learn and anything that I say gets absorbed into the walls around me. So when I die after 120, they're going to bring up the walls of my house, the walls of my study, the walls of my shoal. And they're going to bring them in front of a Kodesh Baruch and the walls are going to say, this is what we heard. And the walls are going to reverberate. They're going to get, finally that echo is going to be there. And the voice that was swallowed up by the walls is going to be told over to a Baruch Hu. Koros shol adam me eden bo. They're your tested. they're your adim. They're your test they're going to testify for you. It's the reason why many Talmati Chamin ask that their coffin be made of the wood that they learned on. In other words, like, for example, I have a desk. The desk should be the wood used for my coffin. Because it's absorbed within. You can feel it within the desk itself. The desk became holy. Because it has, it took in all the Torah that I had. That is, explains a great story that I've known for years. The Ksav Sofer, Rev, Rev Shimon Sofer, um, Rev Shimon Sofer, he was the other one. It's uh, Rev Avram Sofer, the son of the Ksam Sofer, the oldest son of the Ksam Sofer, the Ksav Sofer. He was the rever of Yosef Chaim Zunnenfeld. The Ksav Sofer, one time a person came up to him and said, my daughter is feeling very sick. We need help. Is there anything you can do? And the Ksab Sofer tried giving or whatever, and they said, Rebbe, we need more. Rebbe, we need more. And the Ksab Sofer was not a miracle worker. He was not, I mean, not known to be a miracle worker. I'm sure he was, but he was not known to be a miracle worker. He had, like, an ascot. You know what I'm talking about? Like, those scarves that you put around, they look like, like little pirates wear. So he had one. He took it off, and he gave it over to the guy, and he told him, put this under your daughter's bed. And he took it and he put it underneath the daughter's bed. The next morning, the daughter felt fine. And they gave it back. They said, Rebbe, you're a miracle worker. You do miracles. He said, no, that's not it. I learn with that on my neck. You know, the scarf, the ass got around my neck. And it gets saturated my, with my sweat when I'm thinking and learning. It gets filled up with that sweat. And I knew that that sweat of Torah was inside there. And that's powerful. That's really powerful. So I knew that if anything, if you give that to your daughter it will heal your daughter. Because that's filled with Torah. So that's the idea behind it. This is the concept. We have our walls filled with it. We have our desks filled with it. We have everything. Everything is filled with our Torah. That's how awesome it is. And not only that, but there's a Bini Yahu. Bini Yahu is one of the Sfarim and from the Beni Shai. It's in Gittin by the famous story with Ashmedai, king of the demons. You might remember at the time, Ashmedai, king of the demons, kicked out Shlomo Melech. That's when he wrote Kohelas i need Koelis. I used to be the king over Eretz Yisrael. Right? I used to be the king of all of Israel. That's what Shlomo Mel said. I'm Koelis. The Binayo says that when Shlomo Mel was kicked out, he was allowed to keep his shirt and his staff. And the Binyo explains because the staff of a mekubal takes on the power of that mekubal. Because the mekubal, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know any mekubalim. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know anybody that does this. But back in the day, not yet. I wish. Biniyo says, he says, the Benish guy took his staff and put his head on top of it in order to think and learning. And he put his head on top of it. When he finally figured it out, right, he lifted up his head from the staff. That means that the staff was saturated with unbelievably pure Torah thoughts. So the staff was unbelievably powerful. If Shlomo being kicked out of his kingdom, okay, so he lost all his riches. He couldn't lose his staff. He couldn't lose that staff. He had to bring the staff with him. It's the same thing with the shirt. Same with the shirt. He couldn't lose the shirt. The shirt was the shirt that he had used while learning. It's filled with Torah. How could he lose that? Everything else he could lose. But the staff and the shirt were too important for him to lose. <laughs> it's that unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. He says that's the reason why Alicia. he told Gehazi, when Gehazi went to go... Um, with, bring back to life the son of the Shunamit woman, right? When he went to go do it, he gave him his staff and said, put the staff on top of the child. It's because the staff had the power. What is this, Harry Potter? Like you have a little wand and he's just waving it, right? And everything all works? No, it's because the power of Kiddusha that he had in there went inside the staff, so the staff became so powerful it was able to work and be able to do this. Is that just... Crazy, so unbelievably crazy. Now, you should know, Rebbe Yashiv once visited a hospital. An Erev Shavu was to visit a Talmud Chacham who had to be stuck there for, for Tov. So he went to go visit him. Rebbe Yashiv reminded him of the Chazal, the Klai Yisrael were healed from all of their sicknesses when the Torah was given. And everything was better from then on, unfortunately, until the Egel many of them lost it. But everybody was better from then on. That's why they say that even, the Moshe, even though Moshe Rabbeinu seemed to have a speech impediment from Har Sinai and on, he didn't have one. He may have had a cleft lip. That's how I always pictured it, that he had a cleft lip. I know we say from the burning of the coal, right? It would make sense to me that the burning of the coal would be on that. And I know they say his tongue, that he couldn't pronounce whatever it is. But the Ben Kai says that he couldn't pronounce Bez, Vav, Mem, or Pe because that had to do with his lips, and his lips were messed up, not the tongue. That's how the Bani understands it. So it sounds to me like he had a cleft lip, that he had something like that. But it was healed, and Matan Torah was healed, and he may never have had that issue ever again, because he wasn't involved with the Iglazav, so it's possible that he kept it forever. So he said, on Shavuos, when the Torah was given, at that moment, every Shavuos there's a hashpah that comes down again, and you can ask for refuah shleima for anything at that time. Shavuos, when the Torah was given, is when you should ask for refuah shleima. Anybody hear that? It's an unbelievable thing to say that. I've never heard of it before. The Talmud Chacham asked Rabbi Yashiv, "When? When is that? Like when do we do it? At what point do we say that's when the Torah was given?" And Rabbi Yashiv thought for a second, and he said, "It makes sense." It would be when the Tsibor is reading in Kriya Satora the Asterasad At that moment, when the Tsibor is reading the Asterasad and we're tired, right? Because we're up all night and the Aserasidibras are being read, and a lot of us are like falling asleep, like nodding off on whatever it is. Yeah, the Satan wants us to fall asleep because that's the most powerful time in the world to ask for Rafu Ashleima. That's the time. The Asteras are being written. You get up at that time and you say Rafu Ashleimah obviously but we ask a refuah shalema at that time that's when you should have and that's when the schooler comes in an amazing thing now the key is to remember this for shavuos it's really easy to remember that on tuba of to remember it on zion sivan above sivan technically above sivan that's difficult i i i dare you to remember it and if you do Tell me, because I'm going to forget it. So we all have to remind each other to be able to do it. Now, there's a little bit more. There's a Jewish quote by the Chizkuni that Loposak means that there were always kolos coming from that har as long as Moshe Rabbeinu was alive and as long as B'nei So were in the desert. There was a constant kol coming out that if you could hear it, you would hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu calling out and saying the Esteres of Zedibros themselves. It only stopped when Moshe Rabbeinu died and they entered Eretz Yisrael. Now, and the Elisa Shachar points out that there are Rashi's that say that it lasted forever, etc. But whatever it is, it's possible that there are different kolas or whatever it is. The Gurariye says this kol has never stopped. The kol is still there. And if you could hear it, it's still going on right now. Yeah, Joe. Just repeating the Esther Zedibros. Repeating the Esther Zedibros over and over and over again. And it's not, he says, the Gurariye says, this is why. This is not a voice coming from the mouth of Hashem. There is no mouth of Hashem. There is no voice of Hashem. It's the influence that Hashem brought into the world from the Torah itself. The mekor ha that's there. Only at that time were B'nei Esau on the level of Nevi'im where they could hear it. But it's always there. It's always there. And we can receive it properly. That means that Hashpah is constantly coming forth. And the change is not in Hashem. The change is in us. The kalim. We need to be able to feel it properly. The says this is what it means by udvarov Chayim the Kayomin. Where do we say that? I'm not going to challenge you. It's in Birchus Kriyashma. It's a fire, hard words to find. But Dvarav Chaim the Kayyomin. The words of a Kershbar who have Chiyus. They have life to them. You could sit there and it's literally blowing on you. You get that chayim put upon you. Your Davuk to the Shorish above, to the root above. Any words that a Kaddish Baruch Hu say will therefore last forever and ever and cannot stop. It's impossible. Devarav Chaim V'Kayamim. It's going to be there forever. He says that's the meaning of the Gemara, which the Gemara says that Anochi stands for Anan Nafshi Kasvis I myself have written it and it is given. Everything else comes from another voice, another idea, a baskel, and that can stop, because that's not a Kaddish Baruch directly. The Aseris at Dibros were a Kaddish Baruch directly, and Hashem directly, it cannot stop. It's constant, it's always there, and maybe, maybe, maybe there will be a time where we'll be able to hear it again. Yeah, Dave? Yeah, isn't, but I mean, isn't this concept from Breachius, how Hashem created the world, of whatever that voice was, and, 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 and that's what we I mean, could... The Maimaran, yeah, dances. the Maimaran. That's exactly the same exact line. That the Maimaran that are constantly recreating the world every second, that's exactly what this is. That This is to a point of words being put in the world to bring Kiddush in. That's a, a, a constant recreation. Yes, the creation is recreating itself, so to speak. The it's way it's was the purpose of creation. Correct, correct. It's the end, so to speak. Sort of like the, the end all that allows it to be. I, I will tell you, the way that I understand this, and I like this a lot, I don't remember if I heard this from someone or if I just made it up, but it makes sense to me. Your cells constantly replenish themselves at all times, right? Your cells are constantly regrowing and redoing, etc. Technically, the whole world is doing the exact same thing with mitochondria, etc. that are going on. The cells are restructuring, regrowing, destroying themselves, dying and reliving, etc. There's unbelievable things happening on a microscopic level at any given moment. That's a Akarspar who recreating the world at every second, it, this, the skin that I have right here, this entire skin on my entire hand will not exist next week. It'll all be gone by next week. It'll all be dead, completely up in the air, whatever it is. You'll probably be breathing it, so have fun breathing in my hand. But it'll be there. It'll be out there. And that's what Akadosh spark will recreate, and that's what I think the maimarim of Akadosh spark will refer to. It's referring to that idea right over here. We don't have that much time. What time do we have, guys? It's 9.05. 9.05? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we have a little bit more. I don't know how much we'll be able to do over here, but we'll say, Rev. says the word below Yostaf means although that voice was unbelievably great, it didn't go any further than the Jewish circle. It stayed by them and wasn't able to be heard by anyone else. As I said before, the Erev never heard it. So it wasn't a real physical voice. It was a voice that they heard, but it was more on the inside. It was something that was special for the children of the avos and only we got. We see the exact same concept regarding the speech of Hashem to Moshe when he stood by the almoi, It was a loud voice that screamed at Moshe Rabbeinu, and yet it couldn't be heard by someone standing right next to Moshe. He couldn't hear it, because that voice could only be heard by the one that it's supposed to go to, and that's that. The Ksaba Kabbalah says another way of understanding it, right, referring to how the Torah can be understood in so many different ways. I, I hope everybody understands this. The greatness of the Torah is the fact that it's not only accessible, but it's learned by my six-year-old child and my 19-year-old sitting in yeshiva. They're learning the exact same pasuk, they're seeing the exact same rashis, and they're each getting something that's fitting for their minds and where they are. A six-year-old is understanding in one way, and a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 50-year-old, a 90-year-old mikubble is understanding it on a deeper fashion and that's the greatness not just of Torah but of the Rishonim and what Rashi was able to do Rashi was able to make a, a, an explanation that seems so simple so simple that you look at it and you're like yeah a little kid can learn this right and on the other hand the Chafetz Chaim at the end of his life for the last three years supposedly all he did was he learned Chumash Rashi in Sefer Barashas that's all he did he didn't have the Koach whatever it was but he learned Chumash Rashi Sefer Barashas How does that make any sense it's because the torah is made in that unbelievable way somebody just said to me today he said it's he was we were talking about what i'm going to be doing for my shir this year for the ninth graders not for the base matters but for the ninth graders right what i'm going to teach them in chumash how i'm going to teach them chumash and i said well up until now we've been doing parsha you know the first two aliyahs of every parsha you know chumash rashi and ramban basically on those first two aliyahs and he said well, why don't you start from Barishas and go straight from there? I said, those Rashis are impossible. Impossible. I can't teach a ninth grader that's going to Skok Yeshiva those Rashis. I just can't do it. I do a couple of them, you know, when we get to say Parsha's Barishas. But you mean to tell me that they're going to understand like Helio and go through the... <laughs> I, there's no, I, I don't understand. There's no way I could possibly understand it. I, I can't do it. And he told me a great line. He said, what do you mean? Every Rashi is understandable to a ninth grader. I don't know if this is what he meant. Probably not. But I think that what I think he could mean is he's saying that the greatness of Rashi is that, yeah, it's even accessible to a ninth grader. Even the Rashi's embrace are accessible to them. They can understand it, yes, on a different level, but they're going to understand it. That's what the Khsaba Kabbalah says. This line of Velo Yassaf means it never ends. You think you finished the entire Torah? You did Shnayim Mikrova the Targum with Rashi and Ramban one year. Do it again. I guarantee you, you find something you didn't find the year before. And do it a third time, and I guarantee that as well and a fourth time, and a fifth time. And if you don't find anything new the fifth time, then you are my God, and I will glorify you. Because that's impossible. That is absolutely impossible. There's no way that that's going to happen. Or you're Mashiach, and you're being modest, and you should tell us, because we need you. That, 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 that's ridiculous. There's so much to it, and that's it. yosaf means the hashivas of the Torah, the power of the Torah, the understanding that the Torah has, will never stop. It will always keep going, no matter how smart you are, no matter how great you are, no matter how many times you've done it, it will always keep going. Now, I, I'm going to skip a bunch over here. I know I wrote Rashi's Dabar Akhar and the Ramban's Derecha is that HaKadosh Baruch will never do this again. And this is a very important lesson for everybody. Meaning, he will never appear Bepumbi in public with everyone around by Harsinai in the exact same way again. The Torah was given once. There is no way anything could be taken away Nothing will be added to, nothing subtracted from, and he will never appear that way ever again. It will never happen. That's Voleh It's done. It's never going to be repeated. There will be no other nation that gets the Torah. There will never be a second Torah given by a Baruch Hu. There's no, even if there's alien life out there, which is such a huge thing now, they never received the Torah. For all intents and purposes, to us, they're like people in India. Do I believe that people in India exist? Yes. Have I ever been there? No. Do I want to go there? No. But I know that there are people in India, a billion of them. So could there be people on a planet, right, that's by the Alpha Centauri star? Yeah, I don't care. They didn't get the Torah. It doesn't matter to me. So if they come and they're like, we're alien beings, and I'm like, good, you're from India for all I care. It's the same thing to me. It doesn't make a difference. Because they're the same exact thing. We received the Torah, the lo yasaf. Below yourself, it's never gonna be repeated. We're the only ones who got it. That's the wine that Rashi and the Ramban are learning from this etc. The Ibn Ezra says this as well, the Yushalmi and Megillah says how this could be Velo that nothing should have been added on, that the Torah should have ended there, whatever, it's an unbelievable line from the Torah to Mima, which it says, etc. You can look at it inside itself. The Malbim, as we said before, said that this was not a dream, this is awake, and each one knew what was happening in front of them. The Mosque David points out that this is not the only time where Rashi argues about what Velo Yassaf means. We also have it by Tamar, Velo Yassaf Od L'daito, Yehuda never again was with her or never stopped being with her and by Eldad and Medad they never stopped being prophets or they never prophesied ever again Rashi brings down these explanations by all three places he goes in etc there's a Shari Yashuv, a Sefer Shari Yashuv that also goes into this that explains a little bit I'm going to finish off with a really quick story a Agadon once told Rizzo Zobrashim there were two good friends from Yeshiva. One became a Rosh yeshiva, and the other became a choshev Gavir, a very wealthy man. The Rosh traveled was traveling to his friend's town and arrived at Erev Shabbos. He came out of Shabbos, and of course the Gavir asked him to join him for Shabbos. That night they went to Shul, and the Rosh Hashiv was shocked by all the yelling and screaming. Everybody at Shul was like, ah, yelling and screaming, singing out loud and everything like that, and he wasn't used to it. Right, so he was a little shocked by it. So that night they were eating whatever, and it was after the meal was over. Right, he said, "So do you do you like the keila? Do you like the the show that I daven?" And he said, "You know, I'll be honest with you, it's a little loud. I'm a little shocked by that." There were, he was about to say something. The host was about to say something, and his wife came in, whatever it was. They had more dessert, whatever, and they forgot about it. The next morning, Ushiba goes to shoal. same thing. Everybody's yelling and screaming, whatever it was. He couldn't even concentrate. He couldn't concentrate on Shimon Esrei. He couldn't understand it. Like he just couldn't get it. So at lunch again, he brought it up to his host and he said, "I don't understand it. Why is everybody screaming and yelling? I just don't get it." Right? And the host kind of, like, got around the question. Mincha? Same exact thing, right? By Shalashites. He kind of said to him, I'm like, I just don't get it. What in the world is going on? Why is this that way? After Shabbos is over, the Roshiva was going to leave. So he went up to the greer and he told him, he's like, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it so much. He's like, if you could, could you bring me my bag? You know, I gave you my bag before Shabbos with all the money that I've collected up until now. Can I have my bag back? So the is like, Boshos Roshiva, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, you never gave me a bag before Shabbos. So the Rashid was like shocked. He's like, whoa, wait. I did give you a bag before Shabbos. There were, there were tens of thousands of dollars inside there. What do you do with the bag? The said, I'm t- telling you, Rasheed, I don't know what you're talking about. You never gave me a bag. You didn't give me anything. So she was like, well, what, what do you mean I didn't give I gave you the bag. It was right before Shabbos. I gave you the bag. I said to you, can you please hide this before Shabbos? I don't know what to do with it. But right? you said you were going to put it in your safe. Well, what do you, how can you deny this now? You know that this happened. So, the, the, the Gavir said, listen, Roshiva, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe, you know, you were traveling a lot. Maybe you're confused, but you never gave me a bag. The looks at me. He's like, how dare you? How could you do this? How could you possibly do that? You're not just stealing from me, from your friend. You're stealing from a yeshiva. How dare you? And the is like, oh, calm down. Calm down a little bit. You don't have to get so angry. Let's... And the Roshiva says, getting? What do you mean? You're taking away the money from the yeshiva. So the Gavir said, uh-huh. He goes into his room. He pulls out the bag of money and gives it to the reshiva. Ah, I see you raise your voice when you feel and you care deeply about something. You care deeply about something, you can raise your voice and you feel like something has to happen. That's how some people feel about their davenant. That's the reason they have. So that's the kol gadol v'lo yassaf. You care deeply about something. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to let them know how important it was. That's the reason why it had to be so loud, ringing in their ears. I will tell you, as a timeout, my wife hated that story. But I told her, it's because she's not a guy. As guys, we know what it's like to get angry and scream, right? That's, that's our thing, okay? So it could be. If anybody is a guy who doesn't like that story, then I, I will argue with you. But I, my wife, I said, you're 100% right. I won't say it. <laughs> so don't tell her, okay? <laughs> don't tell her that I said it. Have a good shot, everybody.